Hi, I'm Angie, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We're the Faithless Sisters, and this semester we're taking a new look at the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. We're looking at how God is revealing and working His plan for man's salvation through these books of the Bible. We're following Dr. Chris Miller's class at Cedarville University, and we're excited that you're joining us in our discussion of his teaching. We can't wait to learn more of God's character and plan. Well, hello. We are um, in the very exciting Law and Leviticus week of our study. And um, Angie was praying for us just a little bit ago, and she just said, you know, thank you, God, for Leviticus. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. <laughs> and then Rosemary's like, I have. I love it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> There's a lot of wild stuff going on in Leviticus. A yeah. lot of stuff. And I said earlier, a lot of ick and ew. Yes, yes. ew is right. In yes. Leviticus and Numbers, but yeah. 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 So, like, this is really not one of the top 10 uh, readable books in the Bible, usually. Um, but it is in the top five. Oh, oh, oh very clever. Look at you. Look at you. If you are just listening and you have no concept of what we're talking about, it's because it's part of the first five books of the Bible. Um, and it is... It really is kind of one of the most known, most well-known books of the Bible, certainly in the Old Testament, because it's the beginning. And this is part of the Torah or the Pentateuch, or um, sometimes it's, they call it the uh, book Moses, the books of Moses. Um, so I, I also think it's interesting. People use this book quite a bit to um, attack Christianity or Judaism. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you can't have two threads together, two of the same thread? Why would you do that? You're sinning. And it's like God was really trying to care for them with those rules. And yeah. this is how God cared for you. But if people just take it at face value, it doesn't even make sense right now. So mm-hmm. part part of that we could talk about later as we talk about how do they apply to us now. But I think this book is used a lot to attack people. Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here that doesn't even make sense in our culture. Yeah. You're right. You know? um, you're right. And it's a lot of, it's new to them too. Mm-hmm. He's, God is just now giving them the the laws and uh, how they're supposed to worship and the boundaries for this new quote unquote religion, basically, mm-hmm. you know, this new relationship with God and, before they move into the promised land, they got to get some stuff together and yeah. lay down some boundaries. Well, so, so that they won't get contaminated. You know, God wants them to understand that they can't be like everybody else mm-hmm. because they're his. But who's the they that we're talking about? Let's well, like, the... let's even rewind a little bit yeah. more and mm-hmm. say like, if you have zero context for Leviticus, and you're just hearing us talk about it, you know now that it's a book of the Bible, you know it's in the top or the first five, um, you probably were able to ascertain that it was written by Moses. Um, but who was it written for? Why was it written? When was it written? What are all of those big things that we need to know before we can even talk about um, the content and the context of it? Yeah, that's really important. I think just... Noting that they have just escaped from Egypt, 
But who's they? they? Hired the they, the Israelites, have right. just escaped from Egypt. The Israelites, God's chosen people. That's mm-hmm. the piece too. In that that story continues from the beginning, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that this um, this group of people have escaped um, from the Egyptian culture. And when I was really looking at the last time, like Egypt was like a first world. They had everything. They had gold, like everything, all the delicacies, all the food, all the um, trappings of a first world country. And now God's taking him out in, across this desert land. So just kind of getting a sense. He wants to take them to the promised land. But I'm sure a lot of them I kind of was catching last time. It was like, oh, I get why they thought they could stay in Egypt. But God's really clear. This is a new culture. This is a new thing I'm doing. And we need to have a discussion over here. Yeah. So I think that's what some of this traveling is about. So it happens before they go into the promised land. So when we're establishing the when, but they still have a lot of Egypt in them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, they've got to, got to develop the idea in them that thou bear people unto themselves, that they're yeah. not, you know, that he's creating a nation out of this people um, with a national identity. Um, and I think it's really hard. Change is hard for us. Oh and I'm goodness. sure it was a very difficult situation. I mean, they've all of those people had been born and raised in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't Jews from somewhere else that had just settled there. At this By this point, they've all been born and raised there. So even though they know that they're maybe not Egyptian, I'm sure they identified with a lot of that Egyptian culture. Yeah. And I think God has to be very specific in how he starts to change their identity. Um, and so all of these rules and regs and um, come into play. Mm-hmm. I, I completely see them going, why couldn't we have just stayed in Egypt and not been you know, slaves? Like that could have been a plan. Yeah. They asked, couldn't we go back to Egypt? Remember mm-hmm. as they're wandering mm-hmm. around, they're like, right. you know, why did you take us out of Egypt? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, God is, he's got a plan. Sometimes we forget that even for ourselves right. <laughs> when hard things come and we're asked to do or led to do certain things. We're like, well, I don't like that. You know, that's, yeah. that's too hard. Um, but God always has a plan and there's nothing that we go through. There's nothing that the Israelites went through that wasn't pointing them toward the plan and purpose that he had for them as a nation. That's very true. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who would look at this going, okay, yep, we're out of slavery. That's great. Thank you, God. I'm really happy. We're going to this promised land and now I'm in a desert. What? Like, what? what yeah. <laughs> and I'll tend to look at things right in front of me instead of reconnecting, which I love what Dr. Miller is doing, reconnecting. No, remember, remember the story. Remember the point of all this. It's not about Egypt. It's about God. Yes. And and so I, it, it's really important for me to intentionally take my eyes off what's right in front of me and put them towards God. So when we're reading Leviticus, I love how he pointed out in the very beginning of his lecture, he said, you know, this is part of the story. This is a continuation of the story. Sometimes we look at those books as kind of standalone things. Leviticus is very easy, I think, to look at it as a standalone because it's so, it's not a real, it doesn't seem real personal when I read through it. 
Um, well, until so you, you get to the discharges, but go ahead. Yes. But I think to remember that this is just a continuation of that story that God started back in Genesis. Um, and so it's, it's not a standalone, just rules and regulations. It's a part of the whole story. And I think we got to keep that in mind as we're reading um, through this. Um, I like what Terry said at one point, that all of it is to cultivate a relationship with God. All of it. So all throughout, he keeps reminding them, I am the Lord, your God. Yeah. I am the Lord, your God. Do this, do that. I am the Lord. So he... Like, you know, Rosemary was talking about them kind of being embroiled in the Egyptian ways, which involved worshiping many gods. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing for the people, um, the nations and in Canaan. And they have to come to the point where they are settled on God alone and in obedience to him. Um, It's their disobedience that kept them wandering. They could have gone and made the trip really quickly. What, like two weeks, they said? I think it's like an 11-day journey, yeah. Yeah, Is that crazy? Yeah, but they were so disobedient and rebellious. Yeah. Their attitudes were terrible, and, and so it took a lot of um, corralling, kind of. Yeah. You know, to bring them into, into um, some sort of obedience and relationship with them. You know, even with us, when we get saved, we don't know, we don't really know God all that well necessarily. We sure don't know what all his rules and requirements are. We, we just really don't know much at all. We're, we're kind of ignorant, like a newborn babe. But sometimes we're, we've lived in this world long enough that we've got an identity and we've established some habits. So, you know, Paul talks a lot about how we have to take off the old man and put on the new man who's created in Christ Jesus' image. And so I think that's kind of the same thing that's going on with the, with the Israelites here. They've got to take off that old man mm-hmm. so that they can put on this new identity of being God's people. Um, that's a good way that's to put great, it. That's great, Angie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that really helps me as, I, as I'm thinking about them back then and us right now. Um, you know, human nature hasn't really changed any. We still struggle with the same things. And sometimes I think we forget that as we're seeing how God dealt with people in the past. There really is something good in there for us too. Um, so we can learn from them what it is that, that, that God is all about. That can help us in our walk today. Because God doesn't change. Because he does not change. Yeah. yeah. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And forever. Yeah. Amen. So part of this, this first part of this with God is the show to getting to know you, <laughs> all about you. Oh, I'm so glad somebody can sing. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so this kind of what, yeah, yeah. So this kind of um, all of what God's doing in the first part of this. This is the information you need about me. This is who you yeah. need, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we know that there's um, like a ton of laws and regulations and rules and whatever in Leviticus. Why does that matter to us today? Do we have to follow these rules and regulations? How are they applicable to us now in our culture? And 
going back to the very original question of this whole entire series is who cares? Yeah. Who cares? What does it matter to me? Yeah. Why are we even studying this? Why does it make a difference? Well, I think that this, you know, God, God is saying, this is who I am. Okay. I've told you, I want you to, um, honor your father and mother. I don't want you to kill people. I don't want you to steal from people. I don't want you to covet because I don't do those things. Those rules are not just, you know, arbitrary rules. It's because I don't do those things. Those rules reflect my character. And so they should be a reflection of your character. Now, since Jesus has come, well, even in the Old Testament, they lived under grace. If it weren't for the grace of God, everybody would have gone to hell. Mm-hmm. But in particular, now we live under the grace um, that Jesus purchased for us. So we don't have to worry about following any rule or regulation. However, we are being conformed to the image of Jesus every day that we live. And so we can look at those rules and those regulations and we can say, okay, that's how God is. And so that's that's the mirror that I want to see myself in. I want I want to be a reflection of who God is in this world. And so it's just kind of a good uh, guideline, I think, for us to see that and to say, okay, that's, that's what I should look like. That's what I should think. That's, you know, that's how God feels. I want to feel like God does. That's how God thinks. I want to think like God thinks. Um, because we love him and we know he loves us and we want to be in that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, but what about the weird ones? <laughs> okay, like the two threads. Why Why would we follow that? That's an expression. Uh, I think it's like you can't put two threads together like a polyester, like they didn't have polyester. Different kinds of. But yeah. different kinds of <laughs> yeah. threads, like, like uh, cotton, or cotton or and wool. Or, or something yeah, like that. wool, yeah. Right, and it's like, and when you think about that, that is God creating, caring for them. Saying, hey, there's something about this you don't understand. So I'm just going to make this rule over here and just keep following it. And if you don't follow it, what you notice is those two fibers, it's probably many combinations like that, um, at that time, they wear differently. Uh, A wool garment might be tougher than a cotton garment. So then you're going to have these holes or it's going to be falling apart or things like that. But if it's all constructed of wool and all woven together, then it'll function in a strong way, the way it was designed to, to be created. It lasts for 40 years in the right. wilderness. <laughs> okay, I think that was a miracle. I do. Oh, I think that, that was, was a miracle. Yeah, I, that was I do. A but, but, you know, that's a good point. So here's another piece on that. Then you can take that symbolically. When you mm. mix two people together, it will not stay. It won't work the way it's designed. I want you as my people, one thread one thread of people to be connected to each other. I don't want you, one of the biggest problems they had here was they kept mixing into other cultures, other Mm -hmm. cultures. So yeah, maybe it seems weird to us right now, especially when we're in a multicultural um, country. But um, back then, what God was trying to impart with them is, I need you set apart. You are set apart to function in this way. But they were also very practical. Well, remember... He set them apart, too, because the Messiah had to come through them. That was a lot of that setting apart for them was to keep that messianic line uncontaminated. Um, well, I love 
you, you know, I can get all twisted up sometimes about um, the curious stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord has really worked with me a lot over the course of my lifetime to not be like a dog with a bone. Don't fret every little thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I've loved this in that sometimes in the lectures with Dr. Miller, he'll say, God doesn't tell us why. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's true too. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to, okay, that's what he said and take it on faith that he's got a reason. I mean, he's not arbitrary. So there is a reason behind it, but I don't really always need to understand all that because I'm walking by faith mm-hmm. and not by sight. And so for me, sometimes it's like, oh, I got all of you guys. Um, for me, sometimes that's that's a part of it. It's like, okay, I can let that go. I can let that curiosity go. I can I can just know that God had his reasons for it, and that's okay with me, even if I don't understand. Okay, so, so let that- me let me pose this question, kind of going off of that. Like we know yeah. that there are things that feel very arbitrary in this list of rules and regulations and these things that have have been laid out. Like don't sow a field with two kinds of seed. Well, now we know that it's good to use two different kinds of seed and two different kinds of crops because they're complementary to each other, right? We know that like cotton and peanuts go together. It's the same field. You do cotton one year, you do peanuts another year. You do, and you rotate these crops because it's good for your soil and it's good economically, you know, all of these things. So we know that that is not applicable for today, right? But why was it applicable then? But think about that just in farming, and I don't know that. Rotating crops is different than putting cotton and peanuts in at the same time. Well, that's true. And I think that's kind of what they're talking about. Don't put the two crops in at the same time. I don't think he's talking about rotating them. I don't know. Cause in my head, I'm like, why would you ever put two crops in at the same time? Like that's not, it's, that's just dumb farming. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's and inefficient. That- and maybe that's his point. Like this is not smart. It's inefficient. You're going to be wasting your time. Your nutrients are going to, one's going to take more nutrients than the other. Like this is, right. you know, whatever, but there are, like compliment anyway but they're also you can't you can't harvest if you, if you plant two things together at the same time you can't harvest them separately you can't separate them in the harvest remember when there was the parable about sowing the tares with the wheat, mm-hmm. the wheat and the so tares. you know if it gets mixed in there you can't you can't harvest you, you have to harvest everything at the same time so I think maybe just from a practical standpoint, God's saying, you know, make life easy on yourself. Just grow one thing at a time. Well, I was, I didn't even think of it as being side by side in the same field, like a a big tract of cotton and a big tract of peanuts. I was thinking he was saying, don't take both of those seeds and put them in the same hole. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, to then to fill out what you said, Angie, you can't. Two things will spring up. And how are you going to harvest How are you supposed that? to weed yeah. them? How are, them you know, yeah. well, they're not going to grow right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, this is why we you have know. conversations like this, because that never even crossed my mind. Because I was <laughs> because always like, but you're from a farming not. background. We, so you we, have been stupid. Yeah. 
We're not just the Faith Lift Sisters. We're the Farmer Lift Sisters. I'm telling you, baby. Here we go. We'll teach you everything you want to know. About, everything you want to know about farming that has makes no sense. <laughs> From at least well, three women who don't really know much we don't about know it. farming. Yes, yes. Suzanne's our well, farming person. <laughs> it's like the, you know, when they talk about the clean and the unclean, how how a woman was unclean after childbirth. Now, I always had a lot of trouble with that because isn't it a godly thing to bear children? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what God said to Adam and Eve. Multiply, replenish the earth. That's a pretty big deal. But I love how Dr. Miller said it doesn't mean she's not holy. Right. I, right? I thought that that was a very great comparison. He said, we think clean and unclean is like dirty and, yeah, you know, um, but you've got to think more of it as a, you have to think of it a little bit differently because there's yeah. nothing wrong with childbirth. Right. Okay. That's a godly thing. It's just that God has said, okay, for this number of days afterwards, you, you, you need to be off. And maybe that was for the mother's sake, for goodness Wouldn't sake. That have been good. Who wanted to have to get all dressed up and go out into the village or into the crowd or into the temple 40 days later? I wouldn't have been up for anything like that. So maybe that was a mercy for the woman. Yeah. And maybe a chance for the child to connect. Yeah. The baby. That, another perspective on this, I listened to Dennis Prager as a rational Bible. Mm-hmm. And he said, one of the things when God was creating was separation, life and death. And, and so death. life is the baby, right? Yeah. But the death is like when she's menstruating, that's mm-hmm. the death of a potential life. So you don't want to mix that in. Mm-hmm. They would never cook a goat in a baby goat. In, in its mother's milk. In its milk. mother's yeah. milk. It's separating. Yeah. The milk represents the life. Yes. And then this would be a dead goat. And so it's like, I, I just, as I look through a lot of these, it's like life and death. And God's mm-hmm. saying, these are separate. I'm. This is different. I've come into this game now. I represent life. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was interesting. That's know. good. Yeah. And God makes it very clear that there are blessings for your obedience to him mm-hmm. and to these laws and rules and dis- punishment for disobedience. Holy cow. I've read those before. But reading through this again is like it touches each one touches on every single facet of life. Yeah. You know, if you're blessed, you're blessed in your fields, you're blessed in your in your womb, you're blessed in your whatever, whatever, whatever. And when you are disobedient and you're being punished, you, your curses are just beyond horrible. So, and I, you know, we've heard that, um, the scripture that says, choose you this day, you know, choose life or life or death. Right. And I kind of read that a little differently this time. I kind of read it like, here are the curses and here are here are the blessings and here are the curses. Please choose life. Choose life. I want to bless you. Right. Yeah. It'll be so good for you if you choose life. Yeah, right. that's good, Terry. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is is unless they don't, if they don't have the laws, they can't make those choices because they don't understand the game. That's right. They don't know what's going on or what's at stake. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, how does that apply? the day is God still saying every day like I'm going to either bless you or I'm going to curse you like are those the choices well, when no, I get up remember, every morning 
Jesus came and he came to fulfill all the law. So in his personhood is that ability for us now to come into a full relationship with the father. So, so we get that blessing now because we are in him. We have new life in him. So those old curses don't apply to us. You can't live under the law. You can't live under the curse and under grace. So we are living under grace. Um, but we do make choices that yeah. can lead to blessings. Well, consequences, absolutely. Consequences, yeah. Yeah. And from a very practical standpoint, I think that that's, you know, sometimes we get so heavenly minded that we're not very practical about things. But I think in those things, God is saying, you know, if you make good choices, you're going to have good results. And if you make bad choices, you're going to have some bad results. So, yeah, Terry, I think that those consequences of of those choices can can be a curse Mm -hmm. or they can be a blessing. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Jesus entered in. Mm-hmm. Um, means that we're not going to wake up in the morning to a nation of plagues. No, because we're, we're not, not under right. the curse of the law. Yeah, right, yeah. right. I'm not going to wake up and be over have my entire nation overrun by frogs, mm, or probably not <laughs> locusts, <laughs> or um, my my water is not going to turn to blood. Right, okay. like those were like those were big curses, and those were like the plagues that God used to free the Israelites from Egypt. But um, like the curses at this point were very graphic, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was like, Mm -hmm. this is real detailed. But but also people that are not in relationship with God, they're not living under his grace. Right. You know, if you're, if you don't know him and you're not in a relationship with him, you're not living in that new life. So you are kind of living in that, in death, in those verses. And I might be disagreeing with you a little bit in that, um, what about COVID? Everyone experienced COVID, whether you were a Christian or not a Christian Mm -hmm. or a a Jewish person or not. Um, So I don't know that God wouldn't lift it from our land. I just believe that God wouldn't abandon us to just us and the whatever's happening. He's always with us. But I don't think that's a curse. Like that was a, it, it was a plague. But that's not a, specifically to but, a, a specific person or a specific people group. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah, I don't believe that I don't believe that God gave us COVID I don't for either. a purpose. I don't think no. he brought COVID. I think that um <clears throat> he did bring those plagues right. to Egypt. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's the, it's the, like God's, oh gosh, how am I going to say this? I'm just going to say it and it's going to, somebody's going to have to help me edit it because the way I'm going to say it, it's, it's about God's intentionality. Like God intentionally said, this is what it is either a or B. And if you choose a, then you are going to be blessed. And these are the specific blessings that you get. If you choose B, these are the specific curses that you will have. Mm-hmm. And that is not how we live anymore because of Jesus, because mm-hmm. Jesus stepped in to bridge the gap between A and B. That's right. So that we don't have to, like, I don't have to wake up in the morning and be like, mm, I haven't had enough coffee. I'm going B. Curses <laughs> know what they are, you know? <laughs> or, 
Like, I why did you just describe my morning there, Suzanne? Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I mean, because of the fact that Jesus came and Jesus, like Angie said, fulfilled the law, stepped into right. the law, made the, that ultimate sacrifice for me. The God is not intentionally saying, yo, Suzanne, you really messed up. You stepped the wrong way. Here's your curses. Because remember, as we were listening to Dr. Miller's lecture, he talked a little bit about atonement and the forgiveness of sins. Right. Okay. And, and in all of the sacrifices, he kept saying something that, I, that really caught my attention. He was like, you know, wouldn't it be great if someday there was a sacrifice that covered all our sins so that we didn't have to right. keep sacrificing over and mm -hmm. over and over and again. So that's who Jesus was. Right. He was that once and for all sacrifice that washed away all our sins. Um, and so it, we live in a different reality now. We really do. Because mm -hmm. he paid the price. He was our sacrifice. Um, and he bore the consequences. He bore those curses on his body on the tree. Um, so that we don't have to live under those curses anymore. So kind of wrapping things up um, for Leviticus, like ultimately, what are the big things that we need to take away from Leviticus? Like top two, what are the two big things we need to take away? The law doesn't save you. It only points mm -hmm. to what's not incorrect and out of line. Mm-hmm. And that Jesus did satisfy all those requirements in himself. He lived a sinless life. Um, and now we can be in him and we reap the benefit of that. We live under that blessing and not under that curse because we're in him. And I'm going to throw in a number three because I thought okay. Terry was going <laughs> to. I was expecting Terry to be like, I don't. Um, because it's exactly what Terry said earlier is the fact that all of these laws were intended to show us God yeah. and show us his character, his character. Yeah. So I could throw in another one if we just keep adding numbers. Yeah. No. <laughs> Go ahead, Rosemary. But then I think sometimes we think our sin only affects us, but what was God, God was pointing out in Leviticus mm -hmm. and particularly in the leadership. Um, but that could happen in a family, the leadership of a family. It For doesn't sure. just affect you. It can yeah. affect your community. And yeah. so that's another reason that God's calling you on things is so that you understand it isn't just you that's getting by with this or not getting by with it. Yeah. It's a community and, and you're influencing, we're influencers, whatever, yeah. um, other people. And we want to make sure that we're influencing them towards God. That was good, Rosemary. And yeah. one other thing that I um, saw in here was um, during for the sacrifices. You know, we have they had to pay a, a sacrifice for their own sins. There were different levels of sins, but when right. you came to bring your own, no one was excluded right. from yeah. the higher ups all the way down. If you yeah. couldn't afford a bull, you could bring a sheep. If you right. couldn't afford a sheep. Yeah. You could bring a, a bird, right? You know, I mean, there were you know certain ones, but God made it was for everybody, just like Jesus' yeah. sacrifice is for everybody who comes. Man, I could do the Vegas for a long time, I really like it. Mm -hmm. I 
do. It just, to me, it just shows more facets of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's more than just the list of rules and regulations. Way it more. sure is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. See, we didn't even like, we joked that Leviticus was not in the top 10, but maybe it's <laughs> moved good. up. We, yeah. Oh, uh, totally. Doesn't it crack you up that all the things that he talked about to me is like, oh, that's pretty funny. How did he think about that? Mm-hmm. And then when you dig deeper into what that is, it's like, oh my goodness, how God loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, who wants to pray for us today? I I'll do. pray. And oh, you do. Good. No, no. You oh, go okay. ahead, Andy. All right. I will. Father, we are so very grateful um, that you love us so much that you gave us your word, that you told us who you are. Um, Such a wonderful love letter that you've written to us to show us your heart um, and some of your mind. We know, Lord, that your ways are far above our ways. But as we study your word, Father, we see a lot of who you are, and we are so grateful to know you. So, Father, thank you for Leviticus. I thank you that we really got a fresh... um, insight into who you are as we studied this, um, that it pointed us to Jesus um, and that it pointed us to you. So Father, thank you. I pray your blessing on everyone that's listened today. And I ask that the Holy Spirit will plant this word deep in all of our hearts, Father, so that there will be a wonderful harvest of righteousness and closer living with you. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And cut.